Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast about movies, because movies. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? This evening, Corey, I'm doing stupendous. Always great to hear, Jeff. Well, Corey, I was sitting on the couch the other day Mm -hmm. after a beautiful win by the Buffalo Bills when they beat the Green Bay motherfucking Packers. Anyway, football was... on the movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> After I watched the Bills game the other day, Corey, you know what I watched? Hmm. I watched the 1991 classic Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <clears throat> well, naturally, those those are you know, it, Bill's game is a natural segue into a Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> but you know, Corey, what really bothered me about that movie is that we've never done a history of fiction on that movie. Oh wow. Well. We've only ever done one, so the time is nigh. <laughs> yeah, so you know what we should do right now, Corey? Hmm. We should do a history fiction on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Let's fucking go. Only you can change the fuck out of movies. Only Jeff and Can change the movies. It Switch the Envelope presents History of Fiction with Jeff and Corey. You know, in 1776... When, when no movies were made? Yeah, no movies were made, Corey, but something else happened. And that something changed America forever. Ooh, you must be referring to the establishment of the Mission San Juan Capistrano by Father Serra and a small contingency of his Spanish troops. <laughs> well, uh, actually, Corey, uh, I was referring to the Declaration of Independence. Oh. You fucking Californian. Yeah, sorry. I, I just completed my son's mission. Pro- I mean, <laughs> he just completed his California mission project that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> anyway... In 1776, as all school children know, the American colonies declared independence from England. Of course. And since that time, Americans have been obsessed with all things English, from accents to royals to the spotted dick they call a king. I mean, dessert. Yes, Jeff. If the recent passing of Queen Elizabeth has taught us anything, it's how much we love spotted dick. I mean, English culture, of course. In particular, we love hearing tales of the mythical, albeit overly romanticized and cruel feudal system that once ruled the English countryside. Either in movies or documentaries, Americans can't hear enough about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. I mean, unless you're referring to the recent Charlie Hunnam movie adaptation of the story. Or Robin Hood and his Merry Men of Bandits. Unless we're referring to that recent Taron Egerton movie adaptation of that story. Or the Victorian England classic, A Christmas Carol. Unless we're referring to that recent Guy Pearce television adaptation of that story. Yes, we love our English culture. Or former English culture. (laughs) That's why today we are diving deep 
into one of the most beloved and often retold stories of all time. That's right, folks. Today on History of Fiction, we will be saddling up and riding straight into the legend of Sherwood Forest as we reveal the real story behind Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a good theme song. (laughs) So let's take a second, Corey, and just figure out how meta we really are here. How was that, Jeff? We opened the show discussing how excited... Americans get about documentaries on English mythical characters. Then we revealed to our listeners that they were listening to a documentary on famous English mythical characters. Doesn't that just blow your mind a little? No. No, but it, it makes me wonder when you started uh, smoking weed before the shows. Corey, the only thing I smoke before the show is a nice bag of combos. <laughs> Smoked combos. Smoked combos. <laughs> Oh, wow. They should do that. Smoked they should combos. do that. Like barbecue combos? Ooh. Oh, barbecue smoked combos. Yeah, smoked brisket combos. Yes. <laughs> Pulled pork combos. Ooh, yeah. With, like, coleslaw-favored cracker? Yeah. yeah. Combos. They have the meats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, breaking news. Oh, are these on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, We have breaking news on Switch the Envelope. Really? You don't really have a chance to make uh, breaking news on a previously recorded podcast. Well, we have it, Corey. The breaking news is that Kevin Costner, uh, according to all research, is not a good actor. We have the evidence. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that counts as breaking. Switches, let us tell you why this Academy Award winning actor is not good. Because his Academy Awards are not in the actor category? Well, yes, but also in the movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner plays the lead. Corey, remind the listeners, what type of dialect should a thespian such as Kevin have portrayed while playing the lead in an English movie? Why, of course, everybody knows he should have gone with an English accent of the East Midlands to correspond with the Sherwood Forest region. (laughs) And after careful research by Costner, what accent did he use to really embody this 12th century English icon? Uh, An English accent of mid-LA Southern California? (laughs) Why, yes, 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 he did, Corey. Yeah. Uh, Of the Los Angeles region? Definitely, definitely. But we can't be too hard on old Kevin. Come on. He at least attempted to apply an English accent. Four scenes, I think, is what I counted. But what can you do when you're playing opposite real English actors? Like uh, Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Okay, well, we can get into that later in the program. For now, let's dive into the real history of Robin of Loxley. To understand the story of Robin Hood, we need to take you back. Way back. Back to a time in England when the list of royals did not include former C-list actresses from the USA Network. The reason why this story keeps getting remade and why people are so obsessed with this character is that the story of Robin Hood is just so fucking great. Well, yes, anyone who has seen that Disney cartoon knows that. All right, here we go. Synopsis. Robin Hood is the son of a wealthy landowner who loses his land, becomes an outlaw, hides in Sherwood Forest with Azim, Little John, and Will Scarlet. 
Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham chase him while he steals from the rich and gives to the poor as he tries to take his great big schwanz into a beautiful Maid Marian. And somewhere there's a jolly fat drunk dude. I think he's religious? I don't know. Yes, Friar Tuck. Oh, Friar. Is that that's a religious title? Friar? Yes, he is a guy that is a traveling priest. Ah, I did not go to Sunday school. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's pretty much the story. No matter what version you have seen, Prince of Thieves, Errol Flynn, Taron Edgerton's Special Forces version, they all have these same basic plots. Uh, aside from the... Uh, semi-automatic crossbows in that one. Uh, definitely, yeah. And, and and all of the parkour. It's kind of like an ESPN game of tag. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was bad. Yes. Anyway, yes, you're correct. They all have the same basic plot points. Our story begins in the year 1377 with the oldest surviving document to reference Robin Hood. It is a poem. It is a poem by William Langland. He states, Although I cannot recite... The Lord's Prayer. I do know the rhymes of Robin Hood. I mean, that's deep, man. Yeah. That's basically him saying, I don't know about God, but I do know about Robin Hood. Yeah. He didn't go to Sunday school either. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> so he wouldn't. That, why do you think there was no Friar Tuck in the original version? Right? Because, you know, minstrels. <laughs> <laughs> or poem, poets. I don't, I Ballads. Don't know. Yeah, maybe William Langland was a heretic. Ugh. Then in the 15th century, ballads began to emerge, shaping the Robin Hood narrative. The first one to really make an impact was a collection of stories edited by Francis James Child, known as A Jest of Robin Hood. By the way, that could be a guest or a jest. I'm really not sure, so I'm just going to leave it the way it is. How's your old English? Yeah. The publication is a compilation of different ballads involving the adventures of Robin Hood. Oh, like the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of like Thievey Jesus. Right? Kevin Costner's got the mullet. He's got the long hair. The only thing he's missing is... The, no, he has the beard in the beginning. You know what? Beginning of Prince of Thieves. Thievey Jesus. The only thing we're missing is Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel. Yeah. And Robin Hood is on a crusade to spread his, like, you know, Christianity anyway. So, you know, it's kind of... And he picks up apostles. Oh, my gosh. Robin Hood is Thievey Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I assume that... Even though this manuscript was written over 400 years before Kevin Costner stepped into the famous role, the main plot points are there. Some characters, some story-ish things, you know, different, but same? Well, not exactly. More like different, but different. Oh, that clears it up. If you're going to travel to England and go on a Robin Hood excursion, Seeing all the sights and sounds that inspired the many movies, ballads, and stories, what is the one place you'd want to visit? Oh, Sherwood Forest. You'd think, because nowhere in the world is more tied to the Robin of Loxley story than Sherwood Forest. I mean, and, you know, Loxley. But here's the thing about Sherwood Forest and Robin Hood. Oh, don't do it, Jeff. Don't you fucking do it. Sherwood Forest is to Robin Hood like New York is to the creepy old ladies on Sex in the City. Sherwood Forest is to Robin Hood what Texas is to high school football movies. Sherwood Forest... Dude, dude, we got it. Anyway, according to the 15th century ballad, Robin Hood actually took place 40 miles north in the forests of Barnsdale. Fuck. Changing the setting of our story from Nottinghamshire to Yorkshire. But this is only the tip, the tip of the iceberg. We've only reached the tip. Well, Jeff, you know I don't like it when you stop at the tip. Please, press on. 
Most early stories of Robin Hood are quite different from the modern depictions we know today. Robin was not the romanticized version of chivalry, who swept ladies off their feet, as dreamt up by such authors as Walter Scott and his contemporaries. Early depictions of Robin Hood are much more raw. <laughs> like riding bareback? With Robin Hood enjoying the pain he inflicted on his adversaries. All right, so as I understand it now, most early accounts of Robin Hood are neither chivalrous nor noble. Well, more than that, Corey. In many of the early accounts of Robin Hood, he is not even of noble birth. He is a freeman, a commoner, who is not robbing the rich and giving to the poor. He is simply robbing the church and giving to little John, Will Scarlet, and himself. Well, I mean, if he's poor, he's still giving to the poor. <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, that still kind of checks the box, if we're being honest. So do you think they just changed the name of the place just because they didn't want to be... It wasn't sexy enough? Yeah, yeah, they didn't want it. They didn't want it to be from like Barnsdale. They're like, oh, Sherwood Forest sounds way sexier. Yeah, that that snaps. That clicks. Yeah, Barnsdale does not sound cool. Barnsdale Forest. Yeah, the, the Robin Hood and his merry men of Barnsdale. <laughs> it's really not. The, the, it doesn't have the the oomph that Sherwood Forest has. It doesn't. Nothing it, against people from Barnsdale. I'm sure you're wonderful people, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's just not as like. The Merry Men of Sherwood. The Merry Men of Barnsdale. That's true. It, it doesn't have the ring. And now all of all of my life is a lie. What the yeah. fuck? Wait. And this is crazy, Jeff. Is none of this story a story which inspired the 1990s Nerf bow and arrow true? Well, Corey, one part that has always kind of stayed there is that he meets the King of England. Of course. He helps King Richard the Lionheart. You know, he helps him get his throne back from the evil Prince John. No! <laughs> the original Robin Hood ballads are actually set in the time of King Edward II, not Richard I. The fuck? This shit doesn't even take place in the time of Sean Connery's reign? Actually, to put it into movie context, the real Robin Hood actually takes place... Are you ready? Are you ready for this one? Sure. In the time following Braveheart. What?! No, Braveheart feels so much older a time period than any Robin Hood story. Just following the death of William Wallace. Do you remember the horrible king of England in that movie? Edward yeah. the Longshanks? Yeah. That was England's Edward I. There was a prominent storyline in Braveheart about Edward's son, who was an incredibly unfit ruler, played by Irish actor Peter Hanley, and that was Edward II. Which was the king during the time of real Robin Hood stories? Yes. Okay. Uh, switches. Uh, gather, gather close. Uh, I think at this point, before moving forward in our story of Robin Hood, we think it'd be very important to give you some historical background before we continue. Because, like me, you're probably confused about your English history. In the year 1189... King Richard I of England and King Philip II of France were hanging out in the pub one night with a bunch of their royal pain-in-the-ass friends and decided the only way to get along was to have a common enemy. Of course. So they decided to go on a crusade to recapture Jerusalem. Unfortunately, they did not succeed. Hmm. Well, Richard I had just recently lost his dad to a bleeding ulcer, and his brother... Well, his brother was a royal spotted dick. 
King Richard I, upon his return to England, would be dead soon. <laughs> he would die in 1199, and his youngest brother, a giant dick, would ascend to the throne of England. John. <laughs> Known as King John I, he would take the throne of England, and because he was such a terrible king, there would never be another King John in English history again. Damn. During his reign, several things would happen, including the Magna Carta and one-third of England being conquered by King Louis VIII of France. This is the time which most modern depictions of Robin Hood are told. In fact, Prince of Thieves puts up the date 1194 at the beginning of the movie. A tumultuous era of struggle where French soldiers rule southern England and a terribly inept English king sits on the throne in the north. Now, in 1216, Henry III would reunite England. Then 91 years would pass until Edward II would be king. And this is the time that historically people would believe Robin Hood, the real Robin Hood, would live. So you're telling me that all the stories we know of Robin Hood take place in the late 12th century. But every historical reference has Robin Hood living, like, early 14th century? That's fucking nuts. Yes. Even Costner's story got it wrong. But you know what's really nuts, Corey? Hmm. I feel like this is the only story in history where they actually backdated the story. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they made it older. They made the story older than the story was rather than making it newer. Lots of times you see stories where they reapply the story to a modern time. Right, so that people can relate to it. Yes. Yeah. This is actually them taking a story from a more modern time and reapplying it to a more tumultuous time in their history. Um, yeah, and maybe, I mean, like, you know, thematically speaking, it, it makes sense to, to hit the, like, strides of, uh, you know, struggle that people might know of, I guess. But it, it might also be why Robin Hood as a story does not feel like it's older than Braveheart. Yeah, you know, like like you just get like a sense of when things happened by the way they feel or the way they're depicted. Like it, it feels like Robin Hood does not actually take place a uh, hundred years before ninety years or whatever before, uh, you know, uh, fucking Braveheart took place. Yeah, you're right. It's crazy. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, that's a history lesson over. We'll get back to the show. Despite the differences in the character of Robin. There is one character in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that appears to be spot on, historically speaking. Ooh, let me take a guess, Jeff. Did the actor in Prince of Thieves that played this character once fall off the Nakatomi building? Why, yes, Corey. Good Ooh, guess. Yeah. Did the actor playing this character once play Sir Alexander Dane on Galaxy Quest? And did he also <laughs> love Lily Potter more than anything in the world so that he made yes, his Corey, Patronus... Yes, Corey, yes, Corey, yes, Corey, yes. It is Alan Rickman, you, you, you Alan Rickman dork, all right? All right. Lily and Harry. Alan Rickman's portrayal of the Sheriff of Nottingham was likely the most historically accurate portrayal in this film. Really? Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't be that surprised. The town of Nottingham would not really receive a sheriff until the 14th century. <laughs> but the king did appoint tax collectors who were not paid, known as high sheriffs. And high sheriffs would be granted areas to patrol. Mm -hmm. 
Because these men were not given any salary, it was expected that they would take money from the taxes they collected. Kind of like a little off the top. They would skim the taxes. And it was expected that they would skim the taxes. Uh, wait, the, like, kings set up a, like, system in medieval times where they ran it sort of like a modern-day mafia? Uh, it could be said that, yes. The fuck? If you would think of King John as a... Don? As Don. <laughs> He's Don Corleone. <laughs> and uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham is uh, one of his consigliers oh. or one of his enforcers. Yes. It's Fredo. Uh, I would think of him as more as uh, Luca Brasi. Ah, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody's going to send out. If you're not paying up, he's going to send them to to you, and he's going. If you don't pay up, he's going to make you like sleep with the fishes. Right. He's going to throw some piano wire behind you. Yeah, or he's not sleep with the fishes. He's going to make you make you sleep with the trees, or in Sherwood Forest, or the forest at Barndale. The forest at Barndale. Barndale. The Barndale Forest. We are the men of the Barndale Forest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that's crazy. That. That they would set up a system knowing full well that, like, they'll figure out how to get paid. Like, they'll they'll take a little off the top. It'll be fine. As long as they don't take too much. But, how, like, how do they even regulate that? Yeah, they wouldn't. In the feudal system, as long as the lords above these sheriffs got their money, they didn't care. And as long as the earls above the lords got their money and so on and so well, forth? Well, yeah. As long as the money kept flowing, it was all good for everybody. All right. Is there is there anything else that is um, either more historically interesting or uh, that they got wrong. Corey, with all the research that's out there on this topic, we could talk for hours and hours and hours on just Robin Hood. But I think we gave some information, you know, just to go out and watch some movies and maybe research Robin Hood on their own. Yeah, I I do have a a little bit of a Robin Hood movie factoid. Let's throw it in there, man. Yeah, so Errol Flynn's Robin Hood right? The director wanted the realism of the arrows striking the soldiers and and everybody. So they actually shot arrows at people. (laughs) Yeah, but they're just arrows. They must have had, they must have rubber tipped, right, Corey? No, no. They were real fucking arrows. And Corey, how do they stop them from like stabbing people? (laughs) This is, this is very similar to, um, like the crazy shit they do in in early movies, like when we did the squibs innovations, where they like just strapped like a, a light piece of metal to a guy's arm and put a stick of dynamite on it and blew his arm off <laughs> to simulate a gunshot. They put basically like a like a metal plate and then on top of the metal plate a layer of balsa wood. If you're not familiar with balsa wood, it's a very soft. Uh, breakable wood. They use it uh, on film sets for like breakaway chairs or tables or something like that, uh, so that it or breaks making easily. IKEA furniture or yeah, IKEA furniture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so they put a layer of balsa wood in between or on top of this thin metal sheet, and then paid the extras like fifty bucks uh, for each arrow shot or something like that to legitimately get shot by the marksman or the aerosmith. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aerosmith. What is uh, the the marksman that they had on on set to do all of the trick shots? The the guy that actually shot the arrow in half in that movie, um, you know, he went around and actually shot extras. But he's on a, the he's set a marksman, man. He's Adventures not gonna miss. Arrows never miss. I mean, <laughs> it's I've seen the uh, 
the best people in the world in the Olympics uh, do some pretty near misses. <laughs> Dude, it's not like we have uh, an and, idiom in English called missing the mark. Yeah. You know what I mean? That doesn't happen. And is, You know, there's a cautionary tale about shooting an apple or something in there as well <laughs> <laughs> that... Uh, you know, real dangerous, but yeah, yeah, legitimately. So when you, if you go back and watch the, the arrow Flynn version of the adventures of Robin hood, the people that are getting shot with arrows, the realism there, the reason why it feels so like visceral when they get hit with those arrows is because they were really getting hit with those arrows. Corey factoid about Robin hood, Prince of thieves. Hmm. Uh, Al, uh, Alan Rickman's <coughs> mother in that actually a witch. <laughs> They went all over England and found an actual witch. They found the last surviving witch. Yes. And then promptly burned her at the stake. <laughs> I didn't go there, man. All right. So on that note, thanks, witches. It's been a fun time hanging with you and talking history on this episode of Switch the Envelope Presents History of Fiction. Yeah. If you like what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. But more importantly, tell a friend. Spread the word. Uh, like a band of merry misfits. Yes, and you can always go on our Twitter at Switch Envelope or on our Instagram at Switch The Envelope. And please, if you heard something on here, you want to keep the conversation going, go ahead and do that. If we fucked up some of the some of the factoids, let us know because we don't like being wrong. You know, and we, let us know. You know, we're okay with being wrong. We just don't like it. Of course, you can always go to switchtheenvelope.com for all your Switch the Envelope needs. Until then, go see Prince of Thieves. We'll see you later, Switches. Bye, Switches. Switch the Envelope is written and produced by Jeff and Corey. Switch the Envelope is a Riff Laugh production. Switch the Envelope is mixed and mastered at Studio 85. Switch the Envelope is a collaboration amongst merry men in a forest doing nothing untoward. Switch the Envelope steals from the rich and gives to the poor, namely us. We're the poor guys. Join our Patreon. Give us money, and then you will be the rich in that scenario? Don't worry about the details. 